This is the Canadian Taxpayers Federation podcast. We're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. I'm Chris Sims. I'm here with my friend Franco. Franco, you're our federal director, and that means that you're in the belly of the beast right now in Ottawa. And we get to do lots of fun stuff at the CTF, like we dress up in costumes, we do stunts, but we also do some pretty serious stuff. And you went into a committee meeting at the Finance Committee and presented this massive 80-page report saying how these folks should stop wasting our money and how they should balance the budget. Now, I've been in those rooms before, but it wasn't in your position. I was there more for for media and as staff. Uh, It's a huge room, usually full of cameras. It's crawling with microphones, usually lots of media. For folks who've watched congressional hearings in the United States, it's like a more polite version of that, I think is a nice way to put it. So like, how did it feel in there? What was it like going toe to toe with MPs on the finance committee? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for us. We 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 take it very serious. I took it very serious. It was like uh, it was like my Super Bowl. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, we're we're the, we were there to to advocate on behalf of thousands of Canadian taxpayers to essentially say, knock it off, knock it off with the wasteful spending, right? Knock it off with the tax hikes. Now, you know, these types of uh, let's build the budget type of meetings you 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 have all these different groups all these different individuals out there cap in hand asking them uh for more money uh but we're the group there saying stop enough is enough uh and we take a lot of pride in that so a lot of prep really goes into these uh type of finance committee meetings now this year i was there in person now this is the first time that i've been to a federal committee in person to deliver the Canadian Taxpayers Federation budget recommendation. So it was really a big deal this year. You you felt the importance being there. And let me just kind of paint the picture. So you're in this room, there's this huge uh, rectangle rectangular table or tables on the one side of the room you have all the liberal MPs on the other side of the room you have all the opposition members of parliament. Then you have myself, uh, you have the other stakeholder representatives and groups there. And then you have a bunch of political staffers and government bureaucrats that fill out the rest of the room. So each of us stakeholder groups, we got about five minutes to deliver our formal presentation or formal recommendation. And then uh, we spent about an hour and a half getting grilled in Q&A for members of parliament. And Chris, look, with our message, with us being there, hey, stop the wasteful spending and cut taxes. I knew we were going to get grilled at least a little bit. So a lot of prep really had to go into it. Uh, you could see all the prep there. And folks who want to read the report or want to read what Franco's had to say, just head on over to our website. You can see a lot of the work done there. Uh, I watched it. So I, I know how well you did. Uh, but Thanks. I want you to let our listeners in on it. So was your message of fiscal restraint <laughs> well received? <laughs> how did they take it? Uh, it was mixed for sure. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, look, we we're there in the belly of the beast. We we're there yeah. in the swamp and we're telling them essentially that they're doing a bad job. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was literally there to say, hey, you're wasting a bunch of money. Hey, you're raising taxes. Uh, maybe knock it off. Remember, as I as I already kind of said, they are going to see hundreds. They're going to hear from hundreds of individuals and groups this year asking them for more money. And I was there essentially say, hey, it's time to put the party with taxpayers money to bed. Uh, So, yeah, I think there was definitely some, especially within the liberal caucus, who who weren't exactly loving uh, the fact that I was there to hold them accountable. In fact, you had one of the governing liberal members of parliament, Mr. Baker, uh, who tried to take a run at me. 
Yeah, he sure did. It reminded me of, uh, say, a frat party was going on and the kegs were open and you walked in there and turned them all off. <laughs> and that was the reaction. Um, which is which, by the way, is <laughs> not a position I'm used to being in. <laughs> a little bit of a different role for you here. Actually, let's take a look at that right now. Let's take a look at that clip. The increases in premiums for EI and CPP are needed to make sure that when people lose their jobs, in the case of EI, or when people retire, when our seniors retire, that the funds are there to ensure that they can collect their pension, or in the case of EI, that they can collect EI. So the effect of not increasing those premiums with the demand for those for EI and CPP would mean that when people retire or when people lose their jobs, they would not have the funds needed to collect EI. The funds wouldn't be there, certainly to keep up with demand, their, their needs, but also with inflation, and that would apply to CPP as well. Um, are you concerned about that? What I'm so concerned about are so many Canadians who, in the private sector, just took it on the chin for two plus years, while the people who are supposed to be the representative gave themselves pay raise after pay raise after pay raise. And not just that, raise the carbon tax, raise payroll taxes, raise alcohol taxes, and then play word games with Canadians using magic math when the government's own independent budget watchdog shows that the cost of these tax hikes, like the carbon tax, is costing the average household hundreds of dollars this year, even after the rebates. I'm concerned with the tax hikes. I'm concerned that all of this burden is falling on those hardworking Canadians who lost their job during the pandemic while members of parliament gave themselves pay raises, while 300,000 bureaucrats received pay raises, while failing crown corporations gave out bonuses and pay raises during the pandemic. So Thank I'm very, very concerned much. about the tax. Thank you very much. I've heard you. So I hear that you're not concerned about the pensioners and the PEI recipients who wouldn't receive their funds. That's what I've heard you just say. It sounds to me like um, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation is actually not supporting the very taxpayers who uh, who would struggle the most in an inflationary environment in a circumstance where in the circumstance where they do retire and where they do lose their jobs. And I think that's really, really disappointing. Well, I'd like I'm to move on to that, that wasn't a question. Yeah, but look, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit biased, but uh, I don't think he was able to lay a hand on me. No. And look, fortunately, we're in the right. The government is wasting too much money and the government is raising taxes. And uh, quite frankly, I was prepared. Uh, so after Mr. Baker tried to come after me in the Q&A, uh, his other fellow liberal members of parliament, I think they learned the lesson and decided not to directly come after me with a question, because if they were to ask me a question, then I would get the equal amount of time to respond. And, and I don't think they like that. So Simmer, uh, a few of them after were kind of heckling me from the cheap seats. I don't know, man. I looked at those seats. They look pretty expensive. We probably paid way too much for them, too. Yeah, that's true. So so again, mixed message because you have the liberal MPs who weren't there, who weren't happy about me uh, reigning on their taxpayer funded parade. Uh, but of course, the opposition members of parliament, they're happy that I was there uh, to hold the government accountable. You, you could even hear during some of the back and forth that some of the opposition members of parliament would laugh at some of my remarks, uh, essentially calling out the government for wasting our money. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we put you through your paces, too. I do remember that we did a bit of uh, prep work. I want you to get into that a little bit. Uh, walk us through how you prepare for a meeting like that. 
Well, you prepare a lot. Um, And and it's essentially because, I mean, we take a lot of pride uh, in representing our people, our thousands of Canadian Taxpayers Federation supporters. I mean, especially just given the last couple of years where so many people have have seen the hardship, so many people are feeling the pain directly of bad fiscal policy from the government driving up inflation. So, I mean, we, we, we take this very serious. And, you know, we also... We prep every day, right? Like this is 365 days a year. uh, Almost we're talking about these tax issues or we're debating people in the media or we're debating people on social media. So, Chris, if I can like use uh, a bit of an analogy here, we're like boxers who are in prime shape because we are fighting all the time. We're always fighting entitled politicians and we're always trying to do our best to stick up for taxpayers. But that being said, there's a lot of direct prep that goes into this as well. Um, this year, our, our our CTF budget submission it was 80 pages long, um, so that just in and of itself takes a lot of time. Uh, but then you and and our boss Todd, old man McKay, were uh, <laughs> were gracious enough um, to uh, you know to, to to have me for an hour and essentially just try to pummel me with a bunch of tough questions to get me ready. And, and in fact, I mean, the prep that I face with you and and old man McKay, we'll see if he uh, makes us edit edit this part out. Um, <laughs> The prep that you guys, Todd, but that's just well, you know. But in all seriousness, the prep that you guys put me through was was a lot tougher than uh, (laughs) the majority of questions that I got. In fact, one of the questions that Todd sent my way was uh, almost exactly the same question that uh, Mister Baker thought he'd get a got me a gotcha on. So, so I think we're ready. A lot of prep went into this, and of course, we take a lot of pride. And you know what? It's funny. We're talking about MPs here and MPs, of course, have leaders of their party. Uh, This is very similar to how party leaders will prepare for a debate night, for example. So if they're heading into especially a televised debate, they'll get their staffers and their closest (laughs) friends to stand in as the opponents. And so, yeah, I I had a lot of fun. Uh, I interjected on your behalf to say we should stop badgering the witness and almost exactly the same thing happened uh actually during the meeting um i gotta ask you though like so a lot of prep goes into this it feels pretty intense when you're actually there you answered your questions real well did not get knocked off message but as far as like the meat and potatoes go you keep saying there's 80 pages and folks there's 80 pages in there what sort of work went into that what are some of the major data points and details that you want our listeners and viewers to know that you were presenting to these folks well you know we're always there to kind of say hey uh balance the budget and cut taxes right walk and chew gum at the same time and uh, (laughs) people always say well where would you cut franco like what would you do right and and like i i don't think we get an easy time in the media so we do have to be prepared and, and you know what um I think we should be expected to do our homework, right? If we're yep. going to say cut taxes, then we also have to show um, where the wasteful spending is because we don't want just the government to be ballooning the debt. So what we did in our budget submission is we had a full plan showing exactly how the government could balance the budget next year by bringing spending back to the pre-pandemic levels, adjusted upward, upward for inflation and population growth. Uh, so the government would, following the plan, they would be able to balance the budget, and provide tax relief and stop the tax hikes. Uh, we we crunch the numbers and and here's what are is so cool about a recommendation. So we say go back to pre-pandemic spending. Well, here's what's so cool about that is that pre-pandemic the federal government was spending all-time highs. Yeah. <laughs> so 2018, no <laughs> pandemic, no cross-country recession, and the Trudeau government was spending more than the feds did during any single year during World War II. 
Repeat that. Just stop. I know. I know. You walk people through that again. In 2018, the federal government, the Trudeau government, spent more money than the federal government did during any single year during World War II when we were fighting the Nazis. (laughs) So sometimes, yeah, so sometimes, (laughs) yeah, adjusted for inflation and population growth. So sometimes I was up there recommending us going back to 2018, 19 levels of spending. And I'll be honest with you, I thought I wasn't going hard enough. No. (laughs) You know what I mean? So. But but essentially, we were there to show that you could balance the budget, you could reverse the tax hikes, and you could pr- provide some additional relief while chipping away at the debt with modest spending restraint. Now, look, Simmer, will the Trudeau government listen to the recommendations? <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath because I don't want to pass me, out. <laughs> hey, between me and you, don't let anyone else know. Yeah. I don't think the Trudeau government is ever going to balance the budget. Not no. with their track record, right? Still, wh- what time is it over there? Well, <laughs> still waiting for the budget to balance itself. Of mm-hmm. course, uh, when Trudeau was first running for prime minister, he said he'd run a few modest deficits. And then Little balance itty the bitty deficits, I think is what they were called. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then and then balance the budget in 2019. Well, he missed that by a country mile. So, look, I don't know if the government's going to take our recommendations. But the point is, is that we did our homework and we showed that with a modest amount of spending restraint, the government could balance the books. You sure did. And it was anything but austerity level spending. Uh, Folks, you got to watch this yourself. Okay, so we're going to play you the whole tape. It opens up with Franco's four minute long opening remarks, and then you get into the back and forth between Mr. Terrazano and the members of parliament. Take a watch. You're going to hear from hundreds of individuals and groups asking for more money. My name is Franco Terrazano. I'm with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and I'm here on behalf of 235,000 Canadian taxpayers asking you to spend less. I'm here today to say no more spending 8,800 bucks on a sex toy show in Germany. No more racking up nearly six figures on fancy airplane food during a week-long trip. No more giving former Governors General a $200,000 a year expense account for the rest of their life. No more taking pay raise after pay raise after pay raise while millions of Canadians struggle through a pandemic. No more giving 300,000 bureaucrats a raise while their neighbours lose their job or business. No more giving failing crown corporations like the Bank of Canada millions in bonuses. No more announcing $295 million for the Ford Motor Company, $420 million for Goma Steel, $12 million for Loblaws, $20 million for Maple Leaf Foods, $110 million for Toyota, or announcing $372 million for Bombardier. Canadians need real relief. But Canadians are paying too much tax because the government wastes too much money. No wonder 72% of Canadians say they pay too much tax, according to a recent Ipsos poll released last week. 51 other national governments have cut taxes during the pandemic or to ease the pain of inflation. That includes more than half of G7 and G20 countries. Two-thirds of OECD countries have also cut taxes during that time. While other countries cut taxes, Ottawa sticks Canadians with higher tax bills. The government has increased gas taxes, payroll taxes, and alcohol taxes. The government is getting ready to impose a second carbon tax next year through fuel regulations. But Canadians cannot afford higher taxes, and we can't afford to waste more money covering interest charges on the government's credit card. The government isn't scheduled to balance the budget until 2041 under the current trajectory. That's according to recent PBO data. Interest charges over that period will have cost taxpayers $800 billion by 2041. 
That's a cost of $18,000 for every Canadian and is hundreds of billions of dollars that can't be used to improve services or lower taxes because that money is going to the bond fund managers on Bay Street. But there is some good news. The government could balance the budget next year, the government could also reverse its tax hikes, and the government could do that by bringing program spending back to the pre-pandemic and all-time high levels of 2018-19, adjusted upward for inflation and population growth. In 2018-19, the government spent more money than it did during any single year during World War II, even after accounting for inflation and population differences. That means the government overspent for years. So finding savings in every area of the budget should be like finding water in the ocean. Fortunately, we're now hearing the finance minister say that if politicians want to fund new programs and spend more money, they're going to have to find savings in other areas of the budget. And spending buckets of extra cash would only be pouring gasoline on the inflation fire. Now we're sure that politicians of all parties would agree at least with some of the savings in the CTF's 80-page budget submission, and we're happy to work with you on that. Because Canadians are struggling, Canadians can't afford any more taxes, any more tax increases, and Canadians can't afford to waste more money on interest charges. Fortunately, the government can, pro can provide relief and balance the budget. It'll just take modest spending restraint. Thank you. Um, I'll start with the uh, Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Of course, Canada is, uh, is, is facing a labor shortage. And, um, and so, as we should be all, uh, always, uh, I think it's incumbent on, on us uh, as stewards of the economy to make sure, and just to do the right thing, that uh, workers are fully incentivized uh, for the hard work that they do. Canadians, of course, work extremely hard, uh, some very long hours. Um, and uh, it's, it's my belief that the government is taking too large a portion and that doing things like tripling the carbon tax and increasing payroll taxes will do nothing but disincentivize work. Uh, uh, Mr. Franco, would you care to comment? 72% uh, of Canadians in a recent poll said that they pay too much tax. And if we want to encourage work, then we need to stop punishing work. And what we have seen is at the worst possible time, the government raise payroll taxes. So if you're making $65,000 this year, then the government is taking nearly $4,500 directly from you uh, through your CPP and EI tax. And then you have to add on what your employer must also pay through the CPP and EI tax. So if we want to encourage more work, we should stop increasing taxes on Canadian workers. The increases in premiums for EI and CPP are needed to make sure that when people lose their jobs, in the case of EI, or when people retire, when our seniors retire, that the funds are there to ensure that they can collect their pension, or in the case of EI, that they can collect EI. So the effect of not increasing those premiums with the demand for those for EI and CPP would mean that when people retire or when people lose their jobs, they would not have the funds needed to collect EI. The funds wouldn't be there, certainly to keep up with demand, their, their needs, but also with inflation, and that would apply to CPP as well. Um, are you concerned about that? What I'm so concerned about are so many Canadians who, in the private sector, just took it on the chin for two plus years, while the people who are supposed to be the representative gave themselves pay raise after pay raise after pay raise. And not just that, 
raise the carbon tax, raise payroll taxes, raise alcohol taxes, and then play word games with Canadians using magic math when the government's own independent budget watchdog shows that the cost of these tax hikes, like the carbon tax, is costing the average household hundreds of dollars this year, even after the rebates. I'm concerned with the tax hikes. I'm concerned that all of this burden is falling on those hardworking Canadians who lost their job during the pandemic while members of Parliament gave themselves pay raises, while 300,000 bureaucrats received pay raises, while failing Crown corporations gave out bonuses and pay raises during the pandemic. So I'm very very concerned about the tax Thank you very much. I've I've heard you. So I hear that you're not concerned about the pensioners and the PEI recipients who wouldn't receive their funds. That's what I've heard you just say. It sounds to me like um, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation is actually not supporting the very taxpayers who who would struggle the most in an inflationary environment in a circumstance where in the circumstance where they do retire and where they do lose their jobs. And I think that's really, really disappointing. I'd like to move on to that that wasn't a question. Uh, I want to start off by apologizing to Mr. Terrazano for um, Mr. Baker's very unprofessional behavior today. Uh, I know you, Mr. Terrazano, and the CTF do great work and represent Canadians that have been hit by this uh, cost of living crisis caused by a lot of what uh, Mr. Baker and his government have been doing with uh, out-of-control inflationary spending. Um, I want to give you, Mr. Terrazano, uh, ample time to respond to Mr. Baker uh, without being cut off. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, uh, member, with respect. Um, And, you know, I heard something about seniors, and you know who's really getting hammered by the inflation tax? The seniors who are living on fixed income. Now, what we've seen is out-of-control spending for years. Before the pandemic, the feds were spending all-time highs, even after accounting for inflation and population growth. Then, during the pandemic, the Bank of Canada printed $300 billion out of thin air. Then, the cherry on top for hard-working Canadians who are already struggling is the tax hikes. Carbon taxes up, payroll taxes up, and alcohol taxes up. And then just around the corner next year is going to be the second carbon tax coming through fuel regulations. And right in the government's own analysis of those regulations, it shows exactly who's going to be made worse off. Low and middle class Canadians. um, People who are already suffering from energy poverty. um, Single mothers and seniors living on fixed incomes. And again, that's right from the government's own analysis. Thank you, Mr. Terrazano. I think you've raised some really important points that it's the people on fixed incomes that are getting hit the, the worst. You, you pointed out, and uh, it is important to note that, that the government did spend $100 billion even before COVID. During COVID, there was close to half a trillion dollars spent, where almost a, a quarter of a trillion dollars wasn't even, um, had nothing to do with COVID at all. And like you said, there's going to be the triple, triple, tripling of the carbon tax that's coming, going to be coming up. Now, there's also the point that uh, over the last seven years, many good uh, you know, energy projects were cancelled by the Liberal government, and now we see a 50 to 100 percent increase in, um, in in home heating costs because of that. Do you think it's 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 the right time to be increasing the carbon tax or even have a carbon tax when all we see is emissions going up? I think it's the worst possible time. I think it should have been a no-brainer. At the very least, the government not raise taxes when so many people lost their job, when so many small businesses were worried that their savings wouldn't keep the lights on, right? Now we have people who are trying to drive from Port Hope to Richmond Hill for work who can't afford to fuel up their cars. And right around the corner is going to be winter time. And, and of course, the carbon tax drives up the cost to heat our homes during those cold winter months. But look, I, I don't think we should kid ourselves. The government knows that these tax increases are in inflationary. And that's the whole goal of the 
carbon tax. Sometimes I think that the government pats itself on the back every time it sees uh, the the big prices at the pumps. Um, same with the second carbon tax. The government's analysis is very clear. The second carbon tax could add up to an extra 13 cents per liter to the price of gasoline by 2030. And of course, there are no rebates with the second carbon tax. Uh, I, I agree with you. When uh, a province like mine, Alberta, uh, there is uh, more more Albertans that have to pay out of their pocket than what they get back from the rebate. And once the carbon tax triples, uh, a Canadian family will pay up to twenty three hundred dollars out of their pocket in carbon tax. And again, we don't see emissions coming down either. And um, and and you know we're seeing the money coming out of Albertans' pockets now. Going to today's tax uh, tax rate increases by the Bank of Canada, what do you think this is a reaction to? Out of control spending for years. I mean, out of control spending drives up the cost of living. So I think that's exactly what the reaction is to. Um, but let me just get back to Alberta, because we've heard the government time and again mislead Canadians by claiming that households get more money back with their rebate. But of course, the parliamentary budget officer has shown that that is magic math. My family lives in Alberta too, and there's no wonder that Albertans just voted in the equalization referendum to stop be tr- stop being treated like the cash cow of, of Confederate. Well, this year alone, the carbon tax will cost the average household in Alberta $671, even after the rebates, according to the parliamentary budget officer. Now, time and time again, we do hear the Liberal government say this is not our problem. Uh, you know, inflation is, is, is by some, some you know, act of God. It's, it's a world problem. But recently we've heard the former Bank of Canada governor, uh, you know, and, and, and a possible Liberal leadership candidate, Mark Carney, come out and say this is a domestic issue. And the current Bank of Canada governor has said this is a homegrown issue. Do you agree with that? Oh, I certainly agree that the government created the perfect storm for inflation, which is too many dollars chasing too few goods. We've seen tax increases here in Canada while other countries are reducing taxes. 51 other national governments have cut taxes to ease the burden of inflation or during the pandemic, including many of our peers. More than half of G7 and G20 countries cut taxes. Two-thirds of OECD cut taxes. Um, And while our government has been increasing gas taxes, Australia cut its gas tax in half. Um, The Netherlands provided significant gas tax relief. South Korea cut its gas tax by 30%. India cut gas taxes to, quote, keep inflation low, thus helping the poor and middle classes. Back in 2019, a story came out that uh, one of the Liberal MPs at the time uh, had submitted to their campaign platform this idea of taxing home equity. And uh, it became an issue in that election. And, of course, the Liberals denied, denied, denied that they had any intention of taxing home equity. But then we found out that CMHC had actually retained a, a, an organization uh, called Generation Squeeze had paid them over $200,000 to study this very thing. Now, the reason I'm asking you about it is that in your brief, you make note of removing the requirement to report the sale of your home to CRA. Now, I don't know of any other non-capital asset that a Canadian citizen might sell that they would have to report to CRA other than their home. So I'm wondering if you could comment on why, why do you think that that requirement is there? That's a great question. I mean, if the CRA isn't going to tax it, well, why do they want to know how much you sell your home for? Are they just curious? You know, I've never known the CRA to just be curious 
curious. Now, what, what's what's so what's so frustrating is that um, the Liberal Party in the last election, Mr. Trudeau, during the uh, leaders' debate, said that they wouldn't bring in a home equity tax. So then, why are taxpayers paying hundreds of thousands of dollars through a crown corporation funding research into this home equity tax? And not just that, we dug up documents that show that staff in the Prime Minister's office met twice with the group that has been pushing the home equity tax. But not just that, we've also seen the Crown Corporation, the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, whose number one objective, according to its own website, is housing affordability for all. Well, in 2020 and 2021, Canadians can afford to live in their homes or can afford to buy homes. So why would that Crown Corporation then turn around and hand out nearly $60 million in pay raises and bonuses? Uh, thank you. Now, I just I wanted to talk to you about um, tax competitiveness has been on my mind. Um, and I, I'm wondering if you have any information on where Canada stands. You know, like when, when major corporations look at where they're going to open their factories, uh, do business, they, they look at countries in a way like, like a product. And, and, and one of the things they'll look at is how expensive is it going to be for our corporation, for our executives, for our employees? How much are they going to have to pay to live in a country like Canada? Where do we compare in the world uh, to other countries uh, on that front? Unfortunately, among our peer nations, not good. So I have the results from the 2021 International Tax Competitive Index uh, in front of me, and Canada ranked 20th out of 37 OECD countries on tax competitiveness, which is two spots worse than Canada's 2020 rank and also puts us in the bottom half of the pack among our peers. Canada ranked 23rd on business tax competitiveness, Canada ranked 27th on individual tax competitiveness, and Canada ranked 24th on property tax competitiveness. Now, the report notes, quote, some strengths of the Canadian tax system, uh, which includes the fact that Canada, quote, uh, does not levy wealth, estate, or inheritance taxes. Okay. And um, just on, on the issue of interest rates, you know, one of the things that I think it's important for us to understand is that the government racked up more debt in the last seven years and then all of our the history of our country uh, since Confederation. And they did it, you know, essentially bragging about it, saying, well, it would be um, irresponsible not to borrow when interest rates are so low. But now the chickens are coming home to roost, aren't they? The interest rates are going up. Government's going to have to refinance each tranche of debt as it becomes due. What impact do you think that's going to have on our debt servicing costs? And do you think it might force the governments to make some drastic decisions around further tax increases in order to continue to service our debt? Well, interest charges uh, next year, according to the PBO, are going to be about $42 billion, right? That's $42 billion that can't improve health care and can't stay in Canadians' pockets through lower taxes because that money's going to the bond fund managers on Bay Street. But, uh, I mean, look, the Bank of Canada has one job, and it failed to do its one job. If you've been to a grocery store or a gas station in the last year, you know that. And even the Bank of Canada has admitted that they did not hit their inflation target. And even the Bank of Canada has admitted that they should be held accountable. Well, isn't it a funny way to hold your organization accountable than to turn around and hand out $45 million in bonuses and pay raises in 2020 and 2021? Hi, Mr. Chair, for one last quick one. I want to ask you about the pay-as-you-go law, because I was fascinated last week to hear the Minister of Finance all of a sudden see the light and uh, listen to what our leader has been saying now for, for months and months and months and months, that Canada should bring in a pay-as-you-go as, as you, as you law. I'm wondering, from your perspective at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, how can we trust the arsonist to put out the fire when they make a promise like this? 
Well, look, it's it's not sustainable to spend more money on everything forever. That's not a good way uh, to try to run the finances of a nation. Um, but look, I mean, in our budget, we're showing that you could actually balance the books with modest spending restraint. Just bring back program spending back to the pre-pandemic and all-time high levels of 2018-19, even adjusted upward for inflation and population growth. So the government could balance the budget. It could find room to provide much-needed tax relief. And really, it only takes modest spending restraint. I just want to... Well, of course, climate change is a, is a, a, very, a very real concern. Um, but my, my, my challenge with some of these liberal policies, one is they haven't hit once the emission targets. But my second concern is that as they increase the burden on taxpayers, on companies, on individuals, and on corporations, it gives them less ability to innovate, uh, to be more sustainable, to embrace uh, technologies that are coming out, such as carbon capture. Uh, could, could you comment on that, whether you would agree with that? Well, I think making it more expensive for people to fuel up on their way to work uh, is, is a tax plan, not an environmental plan. And I think many Canadians right now are struggling, have been struggling through two years of the pandemic, are struggling now with, with high inflation. And I think we also need to look around the world and what other countries are doing. We saw Australia cut its gas tax in half, South Korea providing gas tax relief, Germany providing gas tax relief. I, I mentioned the United Kingdom providing gas tax relief. And immediately, the government could hold a press conference and immediately... Um, help save drivers about 20 bucks every time they fuel their minivan at the pumps. I mean, they can save drivers between 18 and 30 cents per liter by scrapping or suspending gas tax, federal gas taxes. Of, of course, part of your mandate would be to examine tax policy and the equity and the fairness of it. So one thing that's always struck me about it is that, I, and I never understood the rationale. In fact, when I had the Ministry of Finance, they just said, because it's easier, which seems so such a wrong answer. And that was the charging of GST on the carbon tax. That makes no sense from a tax policy perspective, from an equity perspective, or really any perspective other than, as the Ministry of Finance just said, it's easier. Um, what's your thoughts on that? The tax on tax is completely unfair, and as inflation increases, Canadians are paying more because of the tax on tax. When fuel goes up, the tax on tax costs Canadians more. When the carbon tax increase, the tax on tax costs Canadians more. And, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of my time talking about the carbon tax hike after carbon tax hike after carbon tax hike during the middle of the pandemic, but there's also going to be a second carbon tax coming through in through fuel regulations. Um, and this one also has no rebate, and the government's own analysis has shown that it could cost another up to 13 cents per liter to the price of gasoline by 2030. Well, excellent performance, sir. Good work. I know a lot of work went into that. Uh, tell me you had a little bit of fun. It was a little bit fun, a little bit. You can't handle the truth going on there. Oh, it was like the, my favorite thing ever. I loved it. It was great. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Would have done it for free. Again, don't tell old man McKay that, but uh, no, it was great. And honestly, like, it's really cool because uh, we, we speak to our supporters all the time. Um, so it's just nice to to be actually, you know, really doing something on, on their behalf. So it's, a lot of fun and we take a lot of pride in it. it. It truly is standing up and being heard and fighting back for taxpayers. So folks, uh, if you want more of this, uh, you can head on over to our website, sign our petitions on any issue that's important to you. And this is really important. We have a YouTube channel. Okay, go subscribe to it. If you want to get the real deal and the straight goods, go subscribe to our YouTube channel and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for watching.